every time there's a limitation, we we push forward at the the next opportunities to put in plant tech where it currently can't be. Um, so we have the two lanes. We have the veganism, as Richard said, as a byproduct of, of the main focus we're doing, which is trying to predominantly make these shoes out of plants. Today's show sees us talk to the Zen Running Club co-founders Richard and Dominic. And we're talking all about plant tech and how an innovation-forward approach can break through and connect in an era of changing consumer habits. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by Nash Squared, where we bring you interviews and news with some of the leading lights in our technology sector. On today's show, I've got Akish and I've got Amber. Akish, nice and bright and with us. Amber, I'm not so sure. She's been on the real-life version of, of Love Island, effectively, in, in uh, Marbella. How was it? How was your weekend? It was good. It was very good. Um, just as you probably can hear it in my voice, I'm sort of suffering a little bit now. But um, yeah, very enjoyable. Lots of fun. How, how many brain cells did you kill? Uh, I mean, I probably wasn't going with too many, to be completely honest. <laughs> so <laughs> the last few that uh, were left have probably been completely wiped out now, Dave. So this could be a difficult conversation. You, you, have, you have to have a few brain cells to kill them, don't you? Oh, no, no we, won't, we won't be mean to her. Bless her. Well, I'm fragile, be. guys. Could you just... Leave me be for, yeah, she's for getting a bit. In, she's getting a kind of a few years beyond university and all that now. So unfortunately, hangovers will last about a week. <laughs> Not as old as you guys, though. So, you know, Whoa, yeah, easy now. Easy now. Fair enough. Getting back. Yeah. I, I deserve that, to be fair. Uh, right. Quick um, bit of admin. Uh, if anyone is interested, if anyone is in London tomorrow, they can come along to a live um, version of Tech Talks, effectively, in our offices in the Nash Squared office at 5.30 tomorrow in collaboration with Sphinx on site, we're going to be doing a live podcast, The Future of Sustainable Change in Technology. Uh, we've got four panellists joining me. Dave Scott, founder and CTO of IGS. Diane Morgan, head of talent at Zinc. Laura Heider, uh, sorry, Laura Heidel Ryder get that right director of sales operations at Arenco group and dan taylor the co-founder of ion ventures so uh yeah if you're in or around our office which is kind of in between moorgate and barbican then feel free to come along there'll be food there'll be drinks there'll be a bit of podcasting and we might go to the roof terrace afterwards because it's nice weather um all the links will be in the show notes and it ties in quite neatly to neatly, sorry, to today. It was kind of a mixture of neatly and nice uh, to today's chat because we're talking all about sustainability with Zen Running Club. So we'll hand over to Richard and Dominic, our two guests, and we'll be back um, after this. So this morning I'm talking to Dominic and Richard. Joining me, Dominic, let's get this right. You're in uh, Germany, in Berlin. Uh, Richard, you're in Amsterdam, uh, and you're two thirds of the co-founding team behind the Zen Running Club. Correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. Before we do anything else, because Zen Running Club does not sound like the the most natural guest for a technology podcast, let's 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 explore who Zen Running Club are first of all. Zen Running Club, we uh, we decided to create um, during COVID as a alternative to traditional brands um we saw the glowing the growing rise of uh, of sustainability growing changes in consumerism um and decided to after 20 plus years of working in traditional brands 
decided to really kind of think about what a modern day innovation forward, um, truly today's, tomorrow's sports brand would look like. Um, stripping away all of the the made up stories and the um, the embellishments that I think tradition puts on um, puts on modern product, um, and just coming up with a really honest, truthful, modern day brand for today's consumer whose habits have changed significantly during COVID and. Uh, the, the following times, um, sport has changed, consumerism has changed, and the uh, the innovation desires from product have also changed. Do you mind me asking what your two backgrounds are? It sounds like you might have worked in other sports brands previously. but Sure. Dominic and I met uh, at Adidas in Germany in the late 90s, mm-hmm. um, which makes us sound really old. Um, Dominic went on to... Um, found his own agency in Berlin. Um, I moved to the US to work for Puma um, and then back to Europe to work for Nike, Converse, um, and have consulted for other brands. Um, So we've both been in or around the sports industry since the late 90s, um, working in in various jobs from the lab at Adidas, running design right through to managing product teams and... uh, redesigning brand identities but the the relevance from my perspective around this is you you kind of mentioned their product design but you talked a lot about um you know consumerism has changed shopping habits have certainly changed you you mentioned some really big brands there you're entering a marketplace which is mature um has some huge brands to go up against you're not you're not in a shop you're having to attract attention online and you're having to build that brand um in very much that kind of classic startup and, and gain an audience, I suppose, and, and and tap into a community kind of style that that might, many startup founders would be familiar with. How has how has that been, um, especially in a marketplace where you are going up against really, really kind of entrenched incumbents? I guess. Yeah, it's it's been a real eye opener. I think we thought originally going into this that uh, great products and a nice story. Um, would win, but uh, we we've realised that even the big boys spend millions and millions on marketing to to get a new product out there with a fully established brand. So for us, it's it's important to keep telling our story, um, which we keep having to kind of shave off the the embellishments that ultimately um, add to itself over days, weeks. Uh, meetings, video calls, whatever it is that we have. And just to keep it really, really truthful, really honest, really simple, um, and then be laser focused on on how we get to our consumer. We are now starting to look at wholesale, some so, so some traditional partners. But uh, yeah, the goal is predominantly online. I think that's where our consumer shops. But uh, we started thinking about e-commerce, and this is only a matter of months, right? So a few months ago, we started thinking about e-commerce merely as a shop online. Now we realize it's an entire ecosystem, um, kind of a spider's web of content that we need to build, uh, attract, and capture the attention of our consumers. Because what we have in effect is we have the the web, web shop is the ultimate destination where people can discover the product and buy the product and 
and become part of it. And the name itself, Zen Running Club, there's a the clue to, to sort of the community aspect we want to build is in is in there. It's in the club. So the idea is that the content we create starts to be built around the advocates, the run crews, all the other people that start to become members of our community and our, and our club. So as Richard said, it's sort of a spider web that people can find the in major cities where we'll focus. They can find the, the product in store with reputable, trusted retailers so they can see that it's a, it's a real thing it's tangible they can touch it try it on they can buy it there or they can come online and they can find us online they can find us uh, our social media stories and they can become part of the story so as i correct me if i'm wrong as i understand it you have one shoe out at the moment that's right and that shoe is certified by the vegan society the vegetarian society vegetarian society sorry vegan vegan approved by the vegetarian society it's um... vegan approved by the vegetarian society okay how important is it then to your target audience that you make a shoe which is vegan approved by the Vegetarian Society and that be your sole focus versus, I suppose, the bigger players who have some products which aren't so sustainable or so, so kind of planet focused and then they might have another brand that was, or, or another channel or, or products that is? Uh, the, the vegan approved piece is very important but i think it's a given from the way that we produce product um we wanted very much to be tomorrow's company today so when we thought about the brands that we've worked for the inspirational leaders innovators that have built these companies from scratch we said what would a brand look like if we started it today um and we jumped straight over the recycled plastic we jumped straight over the kind of the the hope that is that is handed out right now um and wanted to go as plant-based as we could um we wanted to be the most responsible sustainable brand that we could and and veganism is a part of that um but it's also a byproduct there's there's nothing um our shoes are made as much as they can be from plants um, as is possible to create a shoe that you can run in um, and the vegan world I think I think it's important I think it's also something that the other brands don't necessarily chase because there are so many leather shoes there are so many other products in their ecosystem that uh, that wouldn't be so you you kind of have to pick a lane and you can either really be um, vegan or, or not. Um, there's how, a, there's how, a, sorry, go on. Sorry, David. There's a, a sort of the vegan badges are quite often used by, for example, taking a traditional leather product and just making it from plastic, and then you can call it vegan. This has sort of been a traditional approach to the vegan badge, whereas ours, we have got both lanes. It's it's predominantly made of plants. The aim is to make everything from plants, and every time there's a limitation, we 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 push forward at the, the next opportunity to, to put in plant tech where it currently can't be. Um, so we have the two lanes. We have the veganism, as Richard said, as a byproduct of, of the main focus we're doing, which is trying to predominantly make these shoes out of plants. And how important is that that focus around products from from your perspective? I mean, is, is it tempting to, I don't know what the plans are, but you know, are you thinking about 
running clothing lines or are you going no there's other people out there doing that we're going to focus on the shoes are you, are you going to make this kind of a whole a one a one-shot place for for a runner who's interested in sustainable products uh, and the ethos or is it is it going to be no we're, we're going to produce the shoes and there's other people that can kind of come together in a in a wider community in terms of what they offer we have other products under development but um we have high standards from a performance perspective so um you know, Dom having worked in running design and myself having worked in the lab, um, we're both quite nerdy about how product is and how it performs. Um, and we don't want to let our consumers down. So when product is ready, um, we may release some uh, some more product collections. But to be honest, we've been blown away by the amount of opportunity that there are from material suppliers, factories, etc. that have the means to create more sustainable product, but are currently held back by margins and and other things. Um, and whereas prices are negotiated downwards, um, they're never negotiated upwards on a factory level. Um, and you know the the frills around the edge, which unfortunately sustainability is for um, a lot of brands, are the first things to go. So. Um, a lot of people look at how they can get to a 51% um, organic, sustainable, et cetera, level. Um, and I think we've we've found some great alternatives that perform very well on paper. We're still running testing with, uh, with some of the apparel and accessories. But um, no, we're hopeful we can make something that is competitive. Uh, so you've, you've started a company. During a global pandemic, a shipping crisis, we're now faced with um, huge inflation rates, certainly in the UK, but also to a lesser extent, but still high in, in Europe. What have been your lessons to other people who are bold enough to create a company, to put a new product out in, in the market in this environment? What have you learned that you would kind of pass on to anyone else? I think the key is your network. Uh, finding there are a lot of people that are excited to work with you that have incredible experiences um, and that can help us as a business to grow. Um, but we've also found there are a lot of people, I guess, in an employment crisis um, and in challenging times, there are a lot of people that want to hang around um, and have a chat and be involved. Um, so I think it's surround yourself with amazing people that share your vision um that really fill in the gray areas in your experience um and be open to learn talk um and work together um because there are yeah you're never going to do it on your own we created what we believe and our consumers have have um told us is a fantastic product um, but I think we're only maybe 20% there from creating a proper brand. Um, the rest from a finance, operations, logistics perspective, from a structure of the company perspective, we're um, learning every day with some of these things. Yeah, it's very much like a duck on water, like to the world we can project a, a strong and uh, confident brand. But then if you look beneath it, there's, uh, as with every firm and especially with startups, there's... Uh, different threads of chaos going on that you're slowly coming to terms with and, and pushing into line. Well, look, I, I have to be very um, 
transparent with people uh you were kind enough to to send a pair of uh the trainers over to me i've done 20 kilometers in them so far and they're comfy i i say that and <laughs> i say that as someone who is uh an amateur but enthusiastic marathon trail runner half marathon runner um typically runs about 100 kilometers a, a, a month so they're comfy they are good i uh, i suppose the one question i would have from a running perspective and this is hijacking my usual tech focus to a degree is can plant-based products really live up or how far off i suppose the support and the technical aspects of some running shoes are we with plant-based products that typically have been kind of quite un uh sustainable products that you find in traditional running shoes that's the the limits of what we're doing we'll only put the product out there using the plant tech if the plant tech can fulfill what's out there with with traditional materials and compete with it and we'd like to think beat it so the shoe we're giving you we're confident that it's a, a high performing shoe and if the plant tech can't do it then we can't we can't use the plant tech. we have to look for alternatives so there's, it, it's driven by, first of all, the performance of the shoe rather than trying to make a shoe saying we're going to make it out of cork and, and, and bamboo and then cork and bamboo can't do the, the jobs that they're being uh, purposed for. So, so it, has to, it has to sit on the shelf alongside the other running brands and do as good or better than the other running brands. Yeah, we started, we started with a middle-of-the-road shoe designed for 10, 15, 20 week for for everybody uh we wanted to be very democratic i think if we started in a in a corner of the marketplace we just die from from day one so we wanted mm. to start in the middle um and we've basically created which from a product perspective is a is a sock strapped to a cushion um for want of a better description now there are definitely multiple other sectors um of the industry from an innovation perspective whether it's support stability um carbon plates has been a, a a recent development um that we're looking at how we can provide alternatives to um we're working with a a very well esteemed orthopedic surgeon on the um the innovation side um for future ideas we have a bunch of um, designers, innovators around us that we're really looking to solve problems. But I think if if you if you look at the shoe that we've created for today's runner, it's actually not a million miles away from where a running shoe was uh, fifteen years ago. Um, so I think if you strip back all of the things that you need that you're told you need um and break it down to the proposition that actually is what is functional and, and what you do actually need um then then i think we're we're pretty close um it's the the innovation around the edges to create the the follow-up model um or you know new um new version in a dynasty um, as it would be in especially in running shoes um, it's not always innovation that drives that and I think from our perspective we have a limited palette of materials and we're really having to be innovative to see where we can take that and uh, and how the product can function in a way that it needs to so look last question very quick one 
if someone wanted to get their hands on a pair, how would they go about it? Uh, ZenRunningClub.com is the uh, the first place to start, but we are um, looking at how product is popping up around the world so people can try on and experience the product. I think we've we've had a lot of hesitation um, selling plant-based vegan shoes. Um, we've had a lot of interesting questions um, around eating them or if they smell like salad. Um, but uh, we're, we're starting to build some wholesale partners in Berlin, in Munich, in Amsterdam, um, and we're branching out into the US very soon. So uh, that information will also appear on our website where you are actually go, able to go out and experience the product. Well, look, I really appreciate your time, both of you this morning. Good luck with the product and, and thanks for giving uh, a, a bit of time to the podcast. Right, they talk about it being an alternative to traditional brands. Changes, you know, we're talking about changes in consumer behavior, a modern day innovation forward brand. This is, isn't this just kind of an extension of what's been happening in insurance and fintech for the last few years, but now other industries beginning to catch on and going, hang on a minute, there's there's scope and opportunity here to move brands into, I suppose, alignment with, with modern behaviors of consumers. I think... Um... Yeah, but and, and and I think it's it's becoming more and more prevalent. Like this sort of stuff, for example, we had um, you, you know we, we've had kind of people on on the show before, um, you know, to talk about kind of how their products are, are sustainable and kind of the impact to the environment and kind of thinking outside the box, right? Um, but I also think consumer behaviours are changed, and we've talked about this before with like mobile phones and you know, kind of. Um, even apparel, I think, is, is that the right right term to use? Um, apparel? Like Hilo Athletics, we've had them apparel. on before. Apparel, yeah. Not, not to even mistake for an apparel. Don't get Amber <laughs> too excited. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, think, I think it's good, man. Like, I think the, um, the behaviors have changed for people. And I think people are now actually actively looking to how they can, you know, be a bit more sustainable um, and, and look out rather than just, you know, kind of saying, oh, I'm doing my recycling and I may or may not have an electric car, so I'm doing my bit. Do you know what I mean? So it's a bit more... When, when you two are shopping, are you looking... Like, I think for many years now, we've been in the habit of, all right, you know, we don't buy... We don't buy eggs from caged hens. You look for free-range eggs. You, do, you know, you, you ideally, if you've got this spare cash, which obviously is tricky for a lot of people in the time that we live in at the minute, but you look for kind of organic products and whatever else. You try and find sustainable smallhold farmings when it comes to groceries and all those bits and pieces and buy local where you can. What about shopping in terms of clothing and stuff? I mean, Amber, where it comes to kind of clothing, trainers, all of these kind of bits and pieces, sunglasses, are you aware of kind of like products that are very kind of made of plastic and cheap fashion or quick fast fashion and, and trying to avoid them as i'll be completely honest as best as i can but i think i still am obviously like guilty from sort of like to like buy from those brands and stuff but i think yeah. just well i am yeah I, I don't know because the thing that i think sort of shifted recently is that i mean you look at example for um for an example, like Love Island, right? So obviously a lot of their sponsors and stuff used to be all the fast fashion brands. And then this mm. year it's eBay. So they're yeah. encouraging people to like, you know, reuse, upcycle, you know, go with um, sort of like that sustainable kind of alternative. And I think if more, and I'm not saying it's just because it's Love Island, but it is obviously, it's very current, it's very popular. So if more like companies or um, 
you know, sort of big trends can sort of jump onto that, then people naturally are just going to be like, even just giving it a go, even if they sort of try it with a couple of items of clothing. Yeah. It, it, like, it will just sort of slip in, like slip into their kind of like everyday sort of habits. But I think where the shift has been is like, before you had to compromise on how things looked a little bit, I found. Mm-hmm. It was like, if it was a vegan friendly option, it maybe didn't look as good as something that was um, not basically. And I guess, like, if you look at, like, the Zen running stuff, I mean, I was looking at their, like, their website and obviously the, the shoes and just how they look. I mean, they look really, like, trendy. Do you know what I mean? So people will sort of think, oh, actually, I'm not compromising on how they look um, for the fact that they're really sustainable. Actually, yeah. I'm getting both. So, yeah, I think in answer to your question, Dave, I think I I do, but probably could be, I guess, like all of us, a little bit better. Mm. It's, it's interesting right because you mentioned love island there and obviously you were joking about it at the beginning it's not quite the cultural zeitgeist that it was maybe three or four years ago when it was uber popular and then it became very mainstream mm. but it is still it's still reflective of its audience its audience is predominantly gen z right and the fact mm. that they are they are now kind of advertising ebay and so on instead of boohoo say it's a bellwether for what that generation and what what people in that demographic are thinking about and the choices they make right yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, it's a conversation that's just becoming louder and louder, isn't it, really? Like mm. like you say, a few years back, I don't think people would have been, I don't know if eBay popped up on like an advert, I don't know if you'd pay as much attention. But yeah, now it's like, I think people like, I mean, I sort of like, will get things from eBay or like charity shops and stuff. Like it doesn't have to be uber expensive all the time mm. and brand new and flashy. Like, you know, often that's where you sort of find gems that are actually quite different and unique. Do you know what I mean? So I think people are more interested in that side of things rather than just having something that everybody is wearing. And it's from, you know, these really kind of current companies, but you know that behind the scenes, they're not actually doing things like in the right way. Mm. I think also, right. I think a lot of, so I walked into, uh, it's like last week I walked into like a Tommy Hilfiger shop, right. And, and I, I hadn't seen this before, but they had like a whole section on in their kind of store on Regent Street, which was just their organic and kind of sustainable range. And like, you can't really tell the difference because they've got the same T-shirt with like a logo on it, which is from their like sustainable range. And then they've got like the normal one. And the normal one was that like, normal one, I think, was like 35 quid. And then this one was like thirty eight ninety nine or something. So you're paying a bit more because obviously they've had to do a bit more of a, like a rigorous process and stuff with whatever. But like, you know, it's not like you're having to pay 10, 15 pound extra for it. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just mm-hmm. like, it was a bit like, well, this is quite good. Um, and some of the stuff that they had, I mean, you wouldn't be able to start. Like I always thought like if you're wearing sustainable clothing like you're probably wearing like a straw shirt or something or like some sort of a, <laughs> like, i don't know some sort of like some sort of like random like plastic generated like t-shirt or something but it just looks like normal clo- like if, if you have it on you can't really tell right but then you know yeah. you're doing your bit for the um yeah bit for the world and stuff but um i mean yeah. i wear um the i've had a pair of adidas funny enough, given they were talked about in the interview, Stan Smith's, and I now have Adidas Stan Smith's from Recycled Plastic, and you wouldn't be able to know. You wouldn't know the difference. No, no you can't You tell. wouldn't. No, you can't tell. Um, I, f- I feel like you're quite good at this stuff, Dave. I feel like you wear a lot of this type of clothing and, like, sustainable... You go to a lot of sustainable brands, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I, I try with, with the running stuff, because you throw it in the washing machine all the time, um, and I kind of expand, like, 
I don't have masses of clothes, but certainly with the running stuff, because I use it every single day, I, I suddenly like my wardrobe suddenly bulked up in that regard. Like I, I did a, a bit of looking around for things like materials that were bamboo materials or that were recycled or reclaimed plastic mm. from ocean plastic and stuff with singlets and that, because there's also that thing that, that really heavily synthetic materials that they were traditionally made out of release millions upon millions upon millions of particles of microfiber every single time you put them in the in the washing machine and you know we're all reading about what that does to the dna of us of animals of the natural world it's kind of like oh okay and i think there's that realization i suppose unless we start to buy these products they're not going to get yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's cons- consumer, like you say, Akish. Like it's not ten or fifteen pounds more. So therefore, you make you make the conscious choice to buy that rather than yeah. the other thing. And and it's consumer choices that will force the hand of of the bigger brands. Hundred percent. And I think also sports have started to to align it. So I know there's football boots that are being made which are you know from sustainable leather. Um, yeah. Like cricket, for example, there's a brand that because you're making a lot of protection with leather, um, a lot of leather gets wasted during the stitching process, that sort of thing. But there's a brand like called Grey Nickels that basically make gloves from all the the parts that fall, not the parts, but like the leather that gets the wasted. Yeah, the scraps. Mm. Whereas, you know, they used to just get thrown away, right? But now they're actually picking them up from around the factory and putting together gloves and they're called off-cut gloves because they could be any random color and it just depends on kind of what, you know, what colors they have kind of left over but a they look pretty funky um yeah that know, sounds well cool actually it, they're actually like to have all the different bits yeah, and bobs actually, kind of tied together they're actually pretty sick um and I, I saw a guy wearing them the other day and he was telling me about them i didn't even know but um yeah but it just like you know it just goes to show that brands can do a lot more without even having to introduce like a fancy range they can mm. say look these are things that we used to throw away and a we're reducing waste and, and b we're actually maximizing a bit more profit so and i think from a from a startup kind of learning perspective here they talk about um you know you have to pick a lane and a lot of the bigger brands they do have kind of instead of recycled sorry instead of leather it's 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 recycled plastic and they want to make something that is as responsible and sustainable as they possibly can so they've gone with with plant tech and that was the first time i've ever heard anyone refer to it as plant tech um but veganism being the byproduct um, rather than actually the driving principle, which I think is the right way around. I, I sometimes fear that veganism is, a, and I've, look, I'll be perfectly honest, I've got a brother-in-law who's a bit militant about being vegan. He's very preachy. That turns me off. But veganism as a byproduct of just trying to do the right thing, I can far more get on board with. Um, maybe that's my own kind of failing. But the fact that it's innovation first and they are trying to push the technology as best they can to create something that therefore is as sustainable and responsible as they can, that's the kind of story that will cut through when they're up against big brands who are spending millions and millions of dollars. Mm. No, I, I, I think that's, that, that's that's an absolute valid point. And surely I think this is the way people need to be going forward, right? I think. Mm. like like it, It's a bit of a no-brainer for me, really. But um it all start. I mean, you know, I think the gone are the days where you could now just be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're reducing our carbon footprint by whatever. I think it's now it's more kind of showing practicality and a bit like this is what we need. This is what we need to do um, yeah. and kind of bring stuff into the, the forefront. And then when you have conversations about it in a social setting or away from it and even stuff like this, it just adds to the awareness. Right. Which yeah. um, Which is kind of all you want. And to Amber's point, the whole the whole ethos around this, like you used to kind of look around a charity shop and it'd be like what you're doing, whereas now it's kind of, there's a bit of a cool cachet to finding something in a charity shop. 
it's fashionable yeah. isn't it yeah well. definitely like you say why would you want to go out wearing the same thing that kind of everybody has I don't know I think it's quite sort of like original and a bit different just to sort of to go and find these gems and it, I, I don't know there's like a like you say, there has been a shift in that sort of side of things, like shifting sort of people's opinions, maybe just being a bit more sort of open-minded to these types of things. But, um, but yeah, I guess going back to your point there, just sort of having these types of conversations, it does spread awareness. Even if like, I mean, just the, the cricket glove thing, I didn't know that was a thing. I don't play cricket, but I find that really cool. And I would look into sort of something that's similar, you know, where you sort of have all those different offcuts and it sort of makes like a it's like a patchwork quilt almost isn't it but like something you're wearing that you know is also sort of doing good so mm. yeah all for it cool. last point for more of our general audience as well 20 percent were on their way to creating a, a proper brand they're a bit like a duck on water kind of chaos underneath i think that's a really positive message for them to say because if you look at their brand if you look at the shoes I've, I've got the shoes i think on the interview i talked about the fact that i'd run about 20 kilometers in them i'm now at 75 kilometers in them they're really comfortable you'd think here's a company that's kind of really together i think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs and founders portray the image of being super with it super on it they know what they're doing uh kind of really successful we've just raised xyz and obviously that's the image that you need to give off to the investment community yes get that but it's really really good to hear founders and entrepreneurs say oh we're only about 20 percent of the way there to creating a proper band brand it's kind of chaotic underneath because i i think that's really healthy for everyone else to hear mm. shows vulnerability. Like, yeah no i was gonna say exactly that and like just shows that they're like human as well do you know what i mean and people buy from people and and i think people will listen to this podcast and think right well if they're 20 percent there at the moment and they're saying it's kind of chaos underneath let's follow this brand and see where they are in like six months a year mm. you know how how does that sort of like process and that sort of evolution like what does it look like for these guys i'm excited yeah. to sort of see what they look like further down the line so yeah i think it's it's nice that they are on that journey and they sort of admit that there's a lot more they want to learn and like i said from from kind of a consumer's perspective that's really exciting to see where it's going to go absolutely look thank you both for your time i'll quick shout out we mentioned it on the on last week's show uh the harvey Oh, sorry, not the Harvey Nash, sorry, the Nash Squared. Get it right. Branding, David, on brand. The <laughs> Nash Squared World Games are going on at the moment. Uh, friends of the group, uh, contractors, clients, or just family family and friends can get involved and join in too. Um, this week, we're encouraging people to take photos of the shoes that they're training in. So I'll take a photo of the Zen Running Club shoes at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll send the a link to the show notes again, um, how you can get involved. The winning team, the winning country, we're donating to charity. So it's it's a good cause to get involved with. But um, yeah, thank you both for your time. No problem. Thanks, Dave.